everyone. This is Charlie Levine, and you are listening to the Angler's Journal Podcast, brought to you by Angler's Journal Magazine. If you're looking for a different fishing magazine that isn't just full of the same old, same old stuff, that actually writes some in-depth stories about the people and places and boats and all the cool stuff that makes fishing great, check out anglersjournal.com and pick up a subscription. The Angler's Journal Podcast is brought to you by Atlantis Marine Finance. You know, Myself, I just unloaded my boat, and I'm without a boat for the first time in like 15 years. And I'm already looking around. I got ideas. I think a few different things I want to purchase or, you know, future shopping as it is. But when it comes time to do it, I'm going to need to finance that boat. And Atlantis Marine Finance is a great option. They've got a lot of experience. They've got a team of industry pros, actual boat owners. They have the knowledge and resources to help you get on the water So if you're looking to purchase a new boat or a used boat or even a project boat, Atlantis Marine Finance will give you all the educational resources you need to make a good decision and help you down that path to your next boat purchase. For more information, visit AtlantisMarineFinance.com and good luck. Get out there and get that boat. Hey, I'm Charlie Levine, Editor-in-Chief of Angler's Journal Magazine, and you're listening to the Angler's Journal Podcast. Today we got a special treat. I got a buddy of mine who actually made the drive to my house just to talk to you guys today. Zach Yarbrough, a.k.a. The Yeti. How's it going, man? It's great. You know, it's great to be back in Orlando, you know, seeing you again. And, uh, you know, life is good. No. No bad days. No bad days. They don't exist. Uh, brother, I follow you on social media. I find you very inspiring. Uh, if anybody else out there is on Instagram and loves, you know, all the, all the footage you get. You're obviously talented with cameras and you fish and hunt and all this stuff. But probably the thing that's touched me the most is how open you've been about your health battles. And would love for you to kind of share with our readers a little bit what you're going through and, and how you've, it's amazing to me how you've just been so open about everything. No, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, uh, life's a battle and, um, you know, Everybody has their own struggles and deals with their own problems throughout life. And um, these kind of days, I think we need just, you know, more hope and positivity in the world. And unfortunately, four years ago, you know, life kind of smacked me in the face. Um, I was swimming with my daughters in the pool, and I just happened to rub across my chest, and I felt a little knot under my left nipple. And not knowing anything about male breast cancer or that it even existed, uh, I just kind of thought it was a cyst or something like that, ignored it, kind of went on about my business and, uh, you know, continued on with life. You know, I got a pretty busy schedule, as you know, you know, traveling the world, going to these fishing tournaments and stuff. And a few months went by and I was keeping an eye on it and it rapidly grew to the size of a golf ball in about four months. Yikes. And so I knew something was kind of abnormal at that point and I knew I kind of had to do a follow-up. So I went to my normal practitioner, doctor. He looked at it. I saw his initial concern. And that day we went across the street to the hospital and did a mammogram. Followed the next day up with a biopsy and found out that it was breast cancer, uh, invasive ductal carcinoma. And then five days later, I ended up having a radical mastectomy in my left chest had 11 lymph nodes removed under my left side. And um, now I'm currently still fighting uh, three spots that traveled over onto my right lung. So it's been a battle the past, 
you know, four years, you know, with surgery, um, chemo sessions, radiation, back to chemo, and just, you know, everything that is kind of thrown at me. But, you know, just that day I was diagnosed, I kind of, you know, figured I kind of had a choice. You know, I could be a victim of this or, you know, I could be an advocate to, you know, help raise awareness. And um, I think it kind of happened for a reason, you know. That's an amazing way to look at it. And bringing knowledge to it now, um, helping provide hope to others, you know, battling cancer, battling their own battles in life um, is something that I thought I could bring. And so trying to use my platform, you know, just to kind of raise awareness, you know, provide hope for others. Um, You know, every day is tough. You know, there are rough days without a doubt but I still believe there's no bad days, you know, as long as we're here fighting. And uh, I'll continue to fight. Um, I'll continue to smile. You know, the fishing industry and outdoor industry is something that's been amazing that kind of just fell into my lap, you know, about eight years ago and just kind of ran with it. And, um, you know, just appreciating every single day. Amen. And, you know, for those folks who don't know you, you're a big, strong guy. I mean, you, you played ball, you played collegiate ball. Your dad was in the NFL, right? Yeah, yeah. So my dad uh, was a Florida Gator Hall of Famer, all-century team there um, back in the Spurrier days. Wow. And then, uh, played 10 years with the Detroit Lions. And then after he retired, um, him and my mom moved down to uh, Winter Park. And that's when I was born, <laughs> the next year. So. And they've got a good program. You played high school ball. And yeah. it, it's – it's so funny because I'm from Connecticut, so I didn't really realize college, high school football, you know, until I moved down here. It is big time. Yeah, fo- football in the South is a whole different level, you know, especially the high school and collegiate level. And, um, you know, my high school at Winter Park, I think I graduated with close to a 1,000 kids in my class, you know, so they're big schools and, you know, big programs. A lot of superstar athletes around here, and, you know, it's fortunate to grow up at a great high school and you know, play around, play with a lot of great players and then, you know, have the opportunity to go on and play at the University of Virginia after that. Yeah, which is a, a great program. Uh, been some tough years there, a lot of tragedy in that area, but. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been tough. Um, and I, you, know, you always go up and help out, which I always thought was cool. Yeah, and this last year, um, you know, Coach Elliott, who's taking over the program, this will be his second year. Um, the university brought me up to kind of honor me uh, for my playing career and um, my battle versus cancer this past October. And had the opportunity to speak to the team and, you know, just tell them about everything I learned from football and athletics, you know, and I attributed that, you know, going on with my cancer battle now and, you know, just how important life is and, you know, to appreciate every single day. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, two weeks later is when that, horrible tragedy happened up there, you know, with losing three football players and, um, you know, a very sad and and tough time for the program. But we seem to be bouncing back and, you know, uh, you know, remembering those men and honoring them in the right way and, you know, just building on going forward. And it's just, you know, another reason why, you know, just every day is so important. You know, we never know what's going to happen, you know, can never predict it, can never really plan for the future. Um, you know, just got to just really be thankful for, you know, each and every day. 
Yeah. Was that where you got to do the coin toss? No, actually, uh, the coin toss. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, that was with the Cure Bowl down here in the Orlando Sports Foundation. Oh, yeah. So I that's see. a bowl game that's um, all, the, all the money raised from that college football game goes directly to cancer research. And so every year they have an ambassador of the game, you know, who's a cancer fighter. And this past year, you know, I was honored or very fortunate to be honored as the ambassador. So I got to speak to the two teams, you know, that came in, you know, told them about my football experience and then kind of told them about my cancer experience, you know, why, how important that game is, you know, to what's going on. And, you know, everybody's kind of affected by cancer one way or another, you know, whether it's friend, family, yourself, you know, along the line. So, you know, whatever we can do to help, you know, continue to, you know, raise research, yeah. you know, build awareness, you know, is, is a good thing. And so. that's something where it's like you're having fun and everyone's in a good mood and it's like. Oh, know. yeah. I mean, that, that's a heck of a week. You know, we go to, got to hang out at Universal with the guys, you know, do all kinds of little competitions and, you know, having the opportunity to do a coin toss is just, you know, very rare. Oh, I could have been. I, I, that must have been incredible. And that's a big stadium. A lot of people. Yeah, it was a big stadium, you know, on ESPN and all that and just, uh you know, that pressure of flipping the coin, you know, was a lot. <laughs> Actually, I got a bad thumb. I got, it's called trigger finger, so my thumb locks. And uh, the uh, bowl game director was kind of joking with me before the game. He was like, make sure you have a good coin toss. Get it high up in the air, a lot of flips. And I was like, all right, I'll do my best. And when I went to flip it, my thumb locked. Oh, no. And so I barely got it off my thumb, and it kind of trickled to the ground. He looked at me and just shook his head with disappointment. Oh, I'm sure he was stuff. laughing. Oh, he was laughing. But, I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. So, But uh, it was a great honor and, you know, just, um, you know, another opportunity to, you know, kind of share my story and, you know, help help provide knowledge for other, especially men, yeah. you know, early on, if they know something's going on, you know, kind of go in and get it checked. Absolutely. Know. And, you know, th- this might sound weird, but I think the fact that you're a big, strong guy, you know, you were a lineman. I don't know. What were you in your playing days? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I was, you know, played at 6'5", around 300 pounds, you big. know, 298. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm a pretty big guy. Big dude. And, and yet, I think it shows people that, like, even someone like yourself, like, none of us are immune and we're human and we're all built the same way. And, and I think it's very eye-opening for viewers or people following you to say, like, whoa. You know, this is real, real stuff. Yeah, I knew, I knew it was kind of a rare thing, and um, it was kind of just almost kind of felt like a calling for me. And um, you know, with male breast cancers, less than one percent of males will get it in their entire lives. And then when I was diagnosed at thirty-eight, for a male to be diagnosed in his thirties is one in one hundred thousand. No way. Yeah. So I mean, it was just kind of one of those rare things, and. Um, my mom always told me I was special, but I think, you know, I never thought I was that kind of special. Well, you can see, you know, you do have this infectious aura about you. You got a great smile. You got the big beard and, and you're always just look like you're having fun. And it has not slowed you down, Zach. I, I see you all over the place, fishing, hunting. I just saw you, you nailed an awesome turkey. Yeah. I it, mean, just, you're all over. Yeah, it's, um... You know, I do, I do the chemo every 21 days now, and it's, you know, it, it'll kind of mess with your mind, you know, uh, physically and spiritually. And it's it's one of those things, you know, I kind of, it's a mindset. You kind of have to train your mind. And I can either sit on my couch and kind of go home and be miserable, or I can get up and go on a walk in nature and, you know, kind of lift my spirits or, 
do a new adventure. And, you know, it's something I've always loved life, but when I was diagnosed, you know, four years ago, it really opened my eye to, uh, you know, just appreciate the little things going on. So, you know, if there's ever an opportunity or adventure, you know, I get invited on, you know, I try to hop on it. Um, just went out skiing with my brother, you know, four weeks, five weeks ago out in Colorado. And uh, unfortunately took a spill and broke my left shoulder. <laughs> so dealing with that now and, yeah, I mean, had chemo the one day and then with a broken shoulder and then went turkey hunting the next day, you know, as long as my shooting shoulder was good. And Damn. I mean, it was just, I don't know, it's just life is precious and, you know, just the opportunity to spend it with good people, you know, like yourself and this fishing and outdoor industry really has just opened my eyes and uh, just the amazing love and support of everybody in it. You know, it's not... Yeah, it's, you know, you go to a lot of these tournaments and everybody's happy for each other to be successful. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's kind of why I love the industry and it's, it's ever changing and catching fish is amazing and yeah, just love it all. Yeah. And you're and kept capturing all that stuff on film too, is part of what you do and, you know, jumping in the water and getting underwater footage and all that stuff. Like you seem to have very little fear with any of that. Yeah. I mean, growing up a swimmer and water polo player, you know, it was just kind of how I got into the industry initially. You know, I kind of wanted to make a little different, you know, I wanted to be different than a lot of normal people in the industry. And so swimming in open water has kind of always been my thing. And, you know, just grabbing a camera and picking it up and having the opportunity to swim with marlin and sailfish and swordfish, which, I'm no longer doing. I think I've retired from that. Those, those things are a different animal. The swords? The swords, yeah. Yeah, they I mean, don't they don't play angry. around. <laughs> no, no, they're angry. They're bull sharks, you know, they're crocodiles, they're cottonmouth snakes. And they're pure muscle. And they're pure muscle, and they just they yeah. just don't like you in the water with them. No, I'm very comfortable in the boat. That's, yeah. That's, <laughs> that, that's when I'll stay in the boat. Yeah, but, I mean, just getting in the water, my favorite thing is, you know, once you hit the water and – your ears go under, the whole world kind of disappears. You know, it's kind of just like a cleansing. You know, nothing exists besides you and that fish in the water, and everything kinds of tends to disappear. And that's where I, you know, kind of my spiritual place, you know, where I find, you know, that true happiness kind of escape, you know, what's going on. And, um, yeah, just nothing like the blue place. water. It's true, and it's – you can see the joy and it seems like you've made some great friendships too along the way. Yeah. I've been fortunate, you know, to meet a lot of amazing people and, um, you know, took me under their wing, you know, showed me the ropes, you know, growing up an athlete and football and many athletics and then being a head high school football coach and teaching before jumping into this industry, you know, I knew about fishing, but knew very little and I'm still very amateur and raw to this day. You know, and my biggest problem is I just love it all. You know, as soon as I go bill fishing, I want to do it every single day. And then the next day, you know, it could be chasing tailing reds, you know, and flood tide. And it's like, oh, this is the best thing in the world. And, um, yeah, just it's all about the experience getting out there. And everybody's just been so amazing. Um, their love, support, you know, through this has just made my battle so much I want to, I don't want to say easier, but memorable and appreciative and very humbling, you know, to receive this. So 
with that kind of love that I get, you know, I just want to be able to give that back out. And you do. And, you know, you see it, I guess social media has kind of been your voice or how to do it. Um, One thing I was really curious about, you know, we met, I don't even know when, several years ago. And then there was, we bumped into each other at the Jimmy Johnson tournament down in the Keys. And I remember sitting at the bar with you and we just talked for a long time. And I was so curious about, you know, your college sports and all that stuff because I just can't imagine how cool it was. And I was wondering if some of these coaches, you know, athletes have to overcome a lot of slumps, a lot of, uh, you know, just mind games, I would think, of and motivating and self-motivation. And is some of that stuff helped you throughout your life in all these different scenarios, whether it's tournament fishing or the battles you're dealing with now? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, athletics, I think, is a huge part, um, you know, with everything I apply to in my life these days. And just the coaches, the guidance, you know, learning that accountability, the discipline, embracing the suck. Um, what does that mean? Uh, you know, it's if you want to do big things, you know, there's a lot of tough times, you know, that come with it. And, you know, you just have to embrace those times, you know, realize they're going to pass and accept them and do what you can to move past it and, you know, just keep on plugging forward. And when I first got diagnosed, you know, with, you know, my cancer and, you know, kind of went public with it, the first, out of my first five calls, three of them were my, some of my former coaches. Wow. You know, which, which is amazing and, um, you know, very humbling. So. You know, it's talking with, you know, Coach Grow, who was my coach at University of Virginia. Um, kind of got a funny story with him, how we – Super Bowl 25 here in Tampa Bay, uh, the big Whitney Houston performance and all that. Uh, New York Giants versus the Buffalo Bills. My aunt was a choreographer for the halftime show. Wow. So I was in the halftime show. No way. Dancing on the field with new kids on the block. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I was about eight or nine years old. And Coach Grow, who was my head coach at the University of Virginia, was a defensive coordinator at that time for the New York Giants. They ended up winning the Super Bowl. So, I mean, that's kind of funny, you know, looking back, you know, on that that kind of whole experience and, you know, laughing like that. But, yeah, it was just, you know, sports and football um, has taught me a lot. And when I first got diagnosed, you know, my dad was kind of like, hey, this is just like a football injury. You know, you tore your ACL, you blew out your shoulder, you know, you got to go into rehab, you know, it's going to take six months, nine months, a year, Mm. you know, you got to do what you got to do to get better and then get healthy to get back on the field. So I kind of taken that and apply that, you know, my chemo treatment and kind of life. And, you know, this is just like my rehab, like another injury, you know, I got to go through it, got to do what I got to do to get healthy, you know, to get back fishing, get back moving, you know, and, you know, just keep living. So that's really interesting. Um, and it was weird. There was one point, I guess, when you first were going through treatment, and you lost your beard. Yeah, that was that was. Crazy. What was that like? Because that's like your signature. Yeah, um, yeah. I grew this beard out. Gosh, seven or eight years ago, when I first got into fishing, out of you know, out of teaching, and uh, you know, it's nice in the fishing industry. You kind of have a big beard, look a little wild, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you get the rawness out of it, and. My doctor told me when I was first doing that major chemo, the Red Devil, uh, he goes, man, I hate to tell you this, but you're going to lose that gnarly beard. And I was like, damn. 
I go, well, when does it happen? He goes, day 12 after your first treatment. And I was like, really? Day 12? All right. So I had my first major chemo treatment, get to day 10, starting to feel a little better, you know, give a little tug of my beard, nothing comes out. Get to day 11, do the same thing, nothing happens. And I'm like, oh, damn, I might be able to keep this. It might be an anomaly or something. Day 12 comes, I go and grab it, and it just peels off. Literally just at the roots. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of one of those little humbling kind of crazy, amazing things. Um, you know, being a male, it's a lot easier on us, you know, without a doubt, you know, losing our hair, um, you know, being in the cancer treatment centers often now, you know, you see, you know, women who's lost their hair and, you know, it's, it's gotta be so much harder without on them. Yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, I lost it all. Um, you know, your eyebrows, your eyelashes, your fingernails and toenails fall out. Um, skin dies yeah. your eyes rot my mom lost her teeth yeah your teeth get gnarly i mean it's uh it's difficult it's, it's difficult, difficult stuff yeah and um but the beard's looking good now yeah yeah it was crazy <laughs> when it first came back um it came back wild really i mean just extra white, thick <laughs> white to like curly <laughs> I mean, it looked like I had one of those uh, Golden Girls perms back in the day. I mean, it was it was amazing. And I wish I still had it, but kind of eventually grew out. And um, luckily, this new medication I'm on, um, only, or I think 70% of the people lose their hair. And luckily, I'm one of the 30% who's kind of been able to keep it. Um, so kind of blessed with that. But kind of it is what it is. And um, I'm just honored and thankful for a great medical team and staff, you know, of kind of been very amazing to me you know I trust them with everything and um and they're been awesome just encouraging me to keep continuing to live my life you know my crazy wild adventurous life so, yeah so, and it I, it's amazing to me you know I guess I'm one of these guys who I get in a funk every now and again too I mean we're human right yeah for sure I've got a kid with special needs and, you know, we all have family issues and whatever. And, but then I'll see something on like your post and there you are out in Costa Rica, like the day after you had chemo and you're just smiling and wearing a costume, bouncing around the cockpit. And I'm like, you know what? F this. I'm going to go do something. Yeah. And that's, I bet a lot of people tell you that. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, I never, it's, it's hard to accept that for me for some reason, you know, I just, I like giving it out. I like giving out love. It's hard to accept me to get it back. And, um, yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's great, man. It's, it's inspiring. And, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. So this year in the NFL season, there was a big charity drive where, players decorated their cleats, right? Yeah. Yeah. So every single year they Does do that. that. that yeah. Their NFL picks out one week throughout the year where the NFL players can have their own cleats designed and money raised or whatever they decide to do with those cleats goes to whatever organization or foundation they wanted. And, and, and that you got in on that, right? Yeah. It was a very humbling surprise. Um, when I was head head high school football coach here in the Orlando area at Edgewater High School. Um, one of my former players, Carl Joseph, who's one of the I, 
the first day I stepped on the field with him with his sophomore year in high school, I knew he was special. I mean, he just had that it factor, just the mindset, the attitude, the work ethic, uh, the physical, just ruggedness, and just an all-around great guy. And was fortunate to coach him for three years while he was there before he went on uh, West Virginia University and then went on to be a first-round draft pick of the, at that time, Los Angeles Raiders. And um, now I believe is, you know, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But between that, he was with the Cleveland Browns for a few years, and he called me up one night and surprised me with his cleats being dedicated to me. So cool. Yeah, so he had uh, all pink cleats, had Zach Yeti Yarbrough or Coach Yeti Yarbrough, you know, on the side with no bad days and um, just very humbling. Wore those on Monday Night Football. And yeah, I mean, it was just, it was, it was crazy. That's so uh, huge. It was, it was a tearjerker without a doubt. And, and, you know, he's just a special kid. I'm so happy for him. He deserves all the success in the world. Um, just a great family man, just all around guy. And, you know, continue to talk with him, you know, to this day, every now and then. Uh, yeah, just a very great part of my life. Without a doubt. That's cool. Another really good charity that, you know, I'm sure you're aware of too, Captains for Clean Water. They, I forget the player, but they also, there were some cleats made for that one too. Yeah, that's that's great. Yeah, I mean. It, it's neat to see players really caring about yeah. all these different causes. Yeah, there's, yeah, and there's, there's a lot of great causes out there and, you know, being able for them to individually, you know, specifically give a showcase to the one they you know, they support, you know, it's great that the NFL does that. It's great for the players and, um, you know, great for those organizations. How many of these kids, so a lot of football kids come from different backgrounds and, you know, some of the kids who may be coming from the cities and stuff, how many of them are involved in the outdoors and did you ever try to get them kind of outside and stuff? Yeah, it's, I, I continue to do that to this day. You know, I, the reason I really got back into coaching and stuff is I just love a lot of the inner city kids know, who struggle, um, you know, just don't have the best lives at home and just looking for any opportunity, you know, and or kind of mentorship to kind of get out there in life and, you know, experience things. And uh, being able to show those kids a lot of the times, you know, taking them to the beach for the first time. You know, they grew up in Orlando, Florida. They're 17 years old. They live 40 miles from the beach. Never been to the beach. Never been to the beach Jeez. in their entire life. Whoa. So having the opportunity to, you know, do that, take the kids out there, show them that, or take them fishing for the first time on salt water, uh, it's just great. And anything you can do like that, you know, for our youth these days, just to get them outside, you know, provide hope for them, you know, get them to teach them something new, you know, and um, or just be that positive mentor, you know. A lot of kids need that. and So the more we can do that, the better. And, you know, that's great. What I love about the fishing industry, too, these days is, you know, a lot of these tournaments are starting to get the youth involved. You know, Big Rock up in North Carolina has a great kids tournament, you know, during the summer. And the more we can get them involved, the better, you know, get outside, get off, you know, these the computers and tablets. But I understand that's part of the world these days. But, you know, there's a time and place for everything. But Yep. And it's on us. And I say it a lot. It's like, you know, it's easy as a parent when you're just busy to hand them a phone. Right. <laughs> be like, here you right. go. Yeah. I got to yeah. get this done. Right. But if you just say, hey, you want to go out fishing? You want to go? They, I, I very rarely hear no. 
Yeah. I hear, yeah, you know, they get exactly. super excited. So that's cool. And, and I could imagine it's very eye opening for um, those young people just to get out of the noise and, you know, the pressures that are around them and just be on the water. And yeah. And just, I mean, just to experience that for the first time in their life. And I just love helping people experience or watching them, you know, experience them for the first time, you know, getting out of their comfort zone. You know, and being like, wow. Yeah. This was awesome. Yeah. You know, now I, I can do this. Now I can do this. And it makes you kind of see things fresh through their eyes because it's like, yeah, we do this a lot. So we take it for granted. Right. And then you see them get all fired up about catching a little sand shark or something. And you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It brings you back to them. Just that joy. And, you know, I mean, yeah, that can, that can help lead them to a new experience and, you know, new new choice and path in life and even an occupation. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of opportunity here. I don't know if those kids all realize, like if they fell in love with fishing, you could make a living fishing as a guide or, you know, a, a, a con, what's the word a content, whatever they call themselves. Content providers. Like, is that these days? I'm a, I'm a content. Yeah. Eh, don't get me going on that, but, <laughs> but there is, there's a lot of opportunity and it's like, I could see you get how lucky we are to work in this industry. Yeah, very, very fortunate. And and when anytime I see a kid, you know, who's really kind of involved or, you know, has that little passion, you know, in the fishing, you know, just to give them a fresh hat or give them, you know, your fishing rod that you're fishing with that day or, you know, anything like that can, you know, help change their life and, um, you know, give them that opportunity to get out on the water. Yeah. And I, I see you're wearing the pink scales hat today and, you know, it's funny growing up in Connecticut, like uh, yuppie land, USA. I used to hate when I would see people wearing like those pink Nantucket pants. Oh yeah, but, but they start out red and they turn and end up pink Nantucket pants. But I got to tell you, man, every time I see you out there sporting the pink pants and the pink hat and doing your thing, it just makes me smile. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, you know I had fortunate you know join on with Scales this past year and kind of working in our media and sales department and we kind of got this hot pink line kind of going on right now and you know with my breast cancer situation you know I thought it was a great time to just kind of throw it on and uh you know pink pants and pink hat shoes are definitely I don't blend in too easy with it <laughs> that's the point a doubt. yeah and uh I've honestly never got so many compliments on anything my entire life is when I rock the pink pants and Dude. And it also, it opens up an avenue to and share about, you know, male's breast cancer. You know, I get it all the time. You know, being especially a big burly guy, you know, 6'5", big beard, tattooed up, you know, wearing pink, you know, <laughs> kind of gets a little head shake every now and then. And, you know, it's it often opens up, you know, to just a casual conversation, you know, about, you know, male breast cancer and the opportunity or, you know, that it exists. And, um and over the past, you know, a couple of years since I've gone public with my story, it's amazing how many, I don't know, I don't know if amazing is the good word, but how many people have found out they've had cancer in an early stage because of just kind of sharing my story. With wow. Men. Yeah. So it's, um, it's kind of like that starfish story. <clears throat> you know, if your little kid throws in the starfish in the ocean, the guy asked why you do that, and he was like, you know, you're only saving one. He was like, hey, if I can save one, you know, that's all that matters. You know, if you can change one life, you know, help one person. 
um, you know, that's the difference. So that's, that's pretty incredible, Zach. And let's talk a little fishing, man. So what have you been up to these days? You still doing the offshore Wahoo thing? Oh man, it's been, unfortunately it's been kind of so windy all the time. Yeah. I mean, since I've done the Wahoo up here in the Northeast coast, we had a great season up there with the Wahoo shootout. Um, saw a bunch of big fish come in. I think, uh, the overall heaviest fish up there was like 126, 129, which is a stud. Multiple fish caught over 100 pounds. Um, just a great overall wahoo fishing industry up there. You know, it's a lot of running and gunning, high speeding. Yep. You know, running 40 miles to the ledge out there. So it's a lot of work. But, uh, you know, you put in your time out there, you can get it done. 126 pounds. 126 pounds. I think it's probably as tall as you. Yeah. Oh, man, without a doubt. I mean, the biggest one I caught was around nine, a little over 90 pounds. And, I mean, just that thing was a monster. I couldn't imagine 126. And high speeding to have that thing hit it. Yeah. I mean, just smoking on that reel. Oh, yeah, that's a thrill. They hit so hard. That first run of a Wahoo, I don't know. They uh, yeah, always, there's, no, there's nothing really like it. It's amazing. Uh, you know, I get annoyed. People always say, oh, sailfish are the fastest fish in the ocean. I don't know if I, I buy it. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> Seeing those things, are, I mean, they are just missiles. When yeah. They, when they come in and they whack it, that first run they take, yeah. there's, there's nothing like it. They pretty much smoke themselves they out. They do, yeah. And then it they, gets pretty. You just let them up. go. Yeah. You're like, and then you're like, all right, now my now, now we can get him. Now he's done. <laughs> just turn on him. Turn on him. So, what else you been doing? So I just uh, spent the first part of the season down to Costa Rica. You know, fished the Rockstar Tournament, played the Rockstar Tournament, and then uh, fished the first and third leg uh, with the 8.8s uh, for the Los, Los Buenos Triple Crown. Those guys are good. Yeah, they've been on fire, you know. And um, Jill, What kind of boat is that? It's a 72 Viking. Yeah, so Jill and Scott Yates, the owners – um, are from New Mexico originally and, you know, grew up kind of uh, cowboys and, you know, that kind of farm and ranch style life. And, you know, about 10 years ago, they want, really wanted to get into fishing and, you know, made that commitment, bought a boat and invested hard into it, uh, spent a lot of time on the water, you know, working their craft every single day. And, you know, over the past decade, they've come a long way and, do a lot of great things in the industry with the Bill Fish Foundation, you know, tagging a lot of fish, you know, on the east and west coast. You know, they've been champions of that many years. And just very awesome people who love to share the experience on the salt water with other people. So I've been fortunate to tag along with them, you know, the past couple of years for some tournaments and, you know, catch a lot of fish. And they've been on fire. We've won a couple of dailies there. Um, this year they took home the – Second leg of the Triple Crown overall, which is, I mean, just a huge accomplishment. One of the most historic, as you know, you know, kind of tournaments in the world. That that fleet down there, because it come, you know, those people come from all over, and they are some of the best of the best of the best. So to to place down there, I think is really impressive. Yeah, just the place that I mean, I think this was their third season down there too. You know, That's there's, crazy. There's boats down there. They've been fishing it for twenty years. You know, never even cracked. You know, the top three, and it's yep. just. It takes a lot of time, and it's a team effort, you know, getting out there, getting the feel, everybody working together. There's a lot of moving parts, mm-hmm. you know, when somebody gets bit, you know, trying to get that second, third bite, and you know, taking lines, crossing lines over, getting it's them back exciting. in the riggers. And yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. I, I enjoy dead bait fishing for sailfish. I was just doing some kite fishing, which I'm sure you've done some of that too, and it's a whole different deal. 
Yeah, the kite fishing is a whole nother world. I've, I've had the opportunity to do it a little bit every now and then. Um, something I'm definitely not too skillful at now. But, so, uh, talk about moving parts. Yeah, Seven yeah. lines in the water. Exactly. Yeah, especially if you're at man in three lines at once. And But it's cool when you've got a good captain on one of those boats down there and how they can turn a single into a double, a triple, and all of a sudden you got lines going everywhere. And, oh, my God, there's a blue marlin. Get the pitch bait. And it's just... And that's what, I mean, that's something what I love about the fishing industry too, is it's such a team effort. You know, you can't go out there and do it by yourself. And that's uh, kind of why I fell in love with it, you know, growing up from, you know, athletics and football, you know, prior career. And oh, everybody has, aspect. everybody has a role, you know, the captain, the mates, you know, the anglers. And it's when you get with a special team and you see everything gelling, you know, nobody even has to talk, you know, everything that you just look at each other, give that little nod, they know what to do. Yeah, and, you know, it becomes a well-crafted machine. That is a cool thing when you see a captain and like a crew who fish together. Yeah, it's just a look or a point or those guys down there. It always cracks me up. Some of the local mates where they point with their lips. Yeah. You know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like looks like they're making <laughs> they're kissy face yeah. at you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and they know exactly what's going on. And man, they rig a lot of bait down there. My God. Oh, it's, it's, just... it's amazing. I mean, especially it's. Speaking of rigging a lot of bait, I, this past fall, I was fortunate to have the opportunity with the 8.8s to go down to Mag Bay and do that for the first time. And that was just absolutely mind-blowing. Did you get in the water there? I didn't, unfortunately, just because it was my first time there. I was a guest. We were catch, They were catching a lot of fish, you know, tagging a lot of fish. You know, I just kind of didn't want to slow down the operation at that point and just, yeah. you know, take away from any of that. So. And that gives me another excuse to go back again. <laughs> so anyone listening, Mag Bay is like halfway down Baja. And it's just a, when the striped marlin are in, I mean, hundreds and bait balls and just so much life out there. It's, I mean, the seals, the porpoise, the uh, whales. I mean, just, it, it's the amazing. Birds, the birds. It, it's and, going off. Yeah, the frigates and the bait balls just popping up everywhere. I think we uh, we caught 187 in two and a half days. Jeez. We tagged 164. Holy moly. And there are, uh, I'll never forget one time we had six on at one point with four anglers. And a bait ball rose up behind us at the same time. And we had about 20 cutters come up in the spread too at the wow. same time while we're all hooked up. And it was just one of those just kind of, you just take that video in your mind, you know, kind of be like, this is one of those experiences I'd never want to forget. Thank that. Yeah, for sure. And because there's such a beautiful fish, the colors on a lit up, I mean, white Marlin too, just so purple and bright. And I mean, fast. It's amazing. Yeah. They're fast and, uh, and they're angry too. They're <laughs> stubborn little bastards. I mean, they'll get down and dig on you real hard, you know? So it's uh, the quicker you land them and get rid of them. You know, tag them, the healthier they will be. Yep. You know, the healthier we'll be, too. <laughs> <laughs> Is it, were you guys fishing like 30 pound or? Uh, yeah, I, I was, I probably think 30 or 40. That's got to be a blast. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just one of those, you know, bucket list items without a doubt. Just fortunate, you know, to have that opportunity and just to wake up on the water out there, you know, in the fishing spot, you know, already you're trolling it you know, sunrise and you're trolling until sunset and then the camaraderie with the team on the boat cooking dinner after and just hanging out and talking about the stories and what you saw throughout the day is just, 
kind of what it's all about. That's cool. And that's really using that boat the way it was built. You know, I mean, a 72 foot boat, sometimes it, it blows my mind. These people who have these giant boats and they use them like a day boat, they just go fish, they dock and they go stay at a hotel. I'm like, what the, you got this amazing boat. Like let's, go out to the canyons and do an overnight or something. Yeah, That's you, cool that they really use it. Yeah, they, they really put their boat to the test. And, um, you know, uh, they love, you know, doing the fads trips. And, you know, I was just going to ask you about yeah, that. Yeah, unfortunately, I haven't done the fads yet. Um, had to miss it last year just, you know, due to some chemo schedule. That's another one I have to get out to just to see those blue marlin out there and just to catch those kind of numbers um, is just amazing. Yeah, I've never been able to do that. So for those who don't know, there's a bunch of um, floating fads, they call them fish aggregating devices off the coast of Costa Rica. And so you leave early in the morning and you fish, you know, or you leave it in the evening, kind of get there and spend the night. And the numbers I've heard are crazy. 20 blue marlin in a day or, you know, all this stuff. Yeah, there's there's nowhere else in the world really like it. Costa Rica just in general is such a special place. Mm -hmm. And the water's usually pretty calm compared to our waters here. Oh, it's a lake out there. I love it's, it. You wake up every single day. You never have to look at the weather report or the water. Yeah. You, know, you just look out and it's a lake. and Right. Six foot swell, 12 seconds apart. You're oh. like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> All day long. This is going to be good. Well, that's cool, man. I'm glad you're getting out and about. And um, how are things going at scales? Yeah, it's, it's going great. You know, we've... Uh, We've really taken off these past couple of years, you know, just the whole brand in general. And uh, we're really a lifestyle brand. And the golf side the past couple of years has just caught on, you know, unexpectedly and just really taken off. And so we're really kind of, uh, you know, just kind of high in lifestyle. You know, anything you, we make, you can wear out on the water to play tennis, paddle boarding, uh, paddle ball, you know, hanging out on the beach, going running. And it's just uh, about it. You know, sharing that lifestyle, getting outside, enjoying it, and um, just appreciating every day. So thankful for the opportunity to work with these guys, um, you know, phenomenal guys. And looking forward to getting out to a lot of the tournaments. We're going to start sponsoring, hopefully, some of these tournaments. Okay. And, um, you know, building along the East Coast. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's nice stuff, and it was great to see you at the Miami Boat Show doing your thing and, you know, just – Every time we bump into each other, it's always fun. And I really, really appreciate you taking the time to, to come down here and, and tell us your story and how open you are about everything. And, you know, all of our listeners, please check out what, what's your Instagram handle? So it's uh, Zach Yarbrough Outdoors, uh, Z-A-C-Y-A-R-B-R-O-U-G-H Outdoors. And that's on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah, it's a great follow. Zach's always got a smile on his face, whether he's walking into his chemo or, or you know, out there on the ledge catching something cool. And it's it's great to see you. It's great to have you as a friend, man. And, and I wish you the best of luck. Oh, yeah, Charlie, uh, you're amazing, man. You're one of the first guys I met in this industry a long time ago. And just your genuine personality and friendship. Um, everybody loves you. I love seeing you at all these events, all these tournaments. And we always have a great time together. So, you know, very honored to be on here. Share this with you. Anytime you need anything, I'm here for you. Likewise, man. And um, We just need to go fishing. We've never we fished. We do. We've never fished together. No. Let's put it together. All You're right. not far. We got, we got to plan a trip. So. Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm we always got down. We got connections everywhere. So. <laughs> we do. But, man, you're, you're just a phenomenal guy. 
um, you know, I, I wouldn't have missed this for the world. Ah, so. That's emotional. Thanks, buddy. No. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. So whatever you're going through in life, <laughs> we all have the challenges and battles. So when our feet hit the floor every single morning, we have the opportunity to choose what kind of day it's going to be. And even though those days might present us with rough and tough challenges, there's always some kind of positivity that comes from it in the long run. As hard as that may be. So whatever you're going through, keep fighting. Stay positive. The storm will pass. Get outside. Get help if needed. Talk with your family and friends. You know, something that's really helped me you know, over the past couple of years is really just opening up, you know, being vulnerable, you know, realizing it's okay to accept help. You know, it's okay to express weakness. And that's opened me up um, to a lot more happiness in my life. And so having conversations like this and just sharing it with you, this camaraderie, you know, means so much. Um, just thankful for that and thankful for you, buddy. Thanks, Zach. I wasn't expecting that, and that's great advice. Um, No bad days. Get out there. No bad days. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Cheers.